Well, good morning and welcome to church. It's so great to have you all here this morning and see all your beautiful faces. Well, we're going to do something just a little bit different this morning uh, with Pastor Adam and Anita away. Um, and we're going to be doing a panel on uh, and talking about our mental well-being. Yeah, but before yeah. we get started, I just want to give you a quick update. Last week, Pastor Adam spoke about the Tanika van, and a lot of people had donated money for that cause, which is awesome. I just want to celebrate this week. $5,000 came in this week alone, so we're now at $40,500. How cool is that? Let's put our hands together yeah. for that. That's such a great cause. If you've been thinking about donating to that, I just encourage you to do so. It, like I said, it's a great cause to be uh, to be championing that for them. They do such an amazing work in their community to have a, a lifetime impact over many, many people. And we just want to bless them with that van. So if you feel like doing that and feel called to do that, do so because uh, we, we're almost there. We're almost there. Almost there. And if yeah. you do want to do that, you can do so by giving at guest services uh, after the service or feel free to email the office or come into the office during the week. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Adam spoke about guarding our hearts. Uh, his key point was, above all else, guard your heart. He spoke from Matthew 22, 37 to 38, where Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. God alone, he sees the heart, and the heart alone sees God. Mm, I like what Pastor Adam said, that the analogy with the ships, that a ship will last through any storm. No matter how big, no matter how wild that storm gets, a ship will always stay afloat if you can keep the water out of the inside of it. And he turned that into that's how we, we need to keep our hearts. We need to stop our hearts leaking. That can happen through despair and disappointments. But the tools we had to, 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 to plug our gaps, to plug our leaks for our hearts was, was to pray, mm. praise, and read God's Word. And I think those are really three important aspects of keeping our hearts in good, good condition. Mm. Great. Yeah. So this week we're going to carry on the conversation, um, but we're going to talk about the mind. Mm. The state of mental wellness in New Zealand is at unprecedented levels of strain at this time, and the effects on all of society are big. Mm. I heard on the radio this week that we're actually in a mental health crisis. Uh, I also heard of a pastor in this nation who took his own life this week. This is so incredibly sad when the pressures and the strains of life seem too big for us to handle. We want to look at what the Bible says about anxiety and worry, but also have a conversation about understanding it better and to provide some practical steps to help us manage our mind health. So no better place to start than in, the, in God's word, right? Yeah. Amen. So in Philippians 4, 6 to 8, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds everything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Jesus Christ. For now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is such a beautiful scripture. It gives us the formula for joy. It's it says that we're to not worry and have anxiety on things, that we're to burden God with what burdens us, that he would relieve us from that, but also that we'd pray and thank him for all that he's doing in our lives. And through that process, then his peace comes. 
that transcends all understanding, that in the middle of the storm, in the middle of life, because that's never going to stop. But in the middle of that, we'll have a peace that doesn't make sense, that we can just manage through the storm and keep the water out of our hearts and our minds. But it also doesn't stop there. It says that it goes and says, now we need to fill our minds with the things that are good and honorable and uplifting. So there's things we need to do as well. I've been in God's presence, feeding ourselves on God's word, but filling ourselves with things that are going to be uplifting for our minds. So the mind is a crucial area of our lives that we need to protect and keep healthy. And to help us understand this more, uh, we want to have a corridor, a conversation this morning with some health professionals, experts in their field uh, from our church, uh, and ask some questions that we believe will be of great value to us all. So I'd like to welcome up onto the stage Katrina Coleman and Amy Joe. Church, would you put your hands together for them? Good morning. Good morning. So nice to see you girls. Good to have you. All right. Can you tell us, uh, Katrina, about your job, what you do as a job, and what your motivation is for doing what you do? Sure thing. Morena Koto. I was just checking to make sure it wasn't afternoon yet, uh, which means good morning to you all. Um, I'm Katrina Coleman. I'm first and foremost a registered nurse. Um, who has gone on to do um, a master's and now I'm a current Doctor of Health Science student at AUT and I research trauma, particularly childhood trauma and the impacts on mental health outcomes in adulthood. Um, I work for Plunkett, Whanua Fina, so um, I was very grateful uh, to Morvan for the shout out to Plunkett in the video this morning um, and I teach um, postgraduate nursing to the Plunkett nurses, so I teach Plunkett nurses and what was the other part of the question? Uh, what motivates you to do what you do? I think that um, this we are at an amazing time in, um, globally, you know, in this nation, where the conversation around mental health has never been, one, more needed, more necessary, but two, more accepted. Um, I think even a generation ago, having conversations about struggles in your own um, your own thinking or your own emotional health would have been quite taboo. And I think we're finally at a place now where actually, you know, we're recognising that um, your mental health is a really, you know, plays a really significant role in your over overall health and well-being. So I'm really hopeful about this next season of health and well-being that we're going to be able to talk more freely and, and get the supports in place that people need for the best possible outcomes. Amy. Hi, uh, my name is Amy Jo, I'm a registered nurse. Um, my clinical background is in mental health, uh, working with um, forensic people in forensic services. Um, I'm also, I've just switched jobs, so I'm a, I'm a bit still undecided about what I am now. Um, <laughs> I've got some role confusion. Um, I am an academic, I've worked previously at Victoria University as a nursing lecturer. Uh, I'm also a researcher. I'm in the middle of my PhD, hoping to finish this time next year. Uh, and my PhD is looking at perceptions of health and well-being in formerly imprisoned men, how that is shaped and how that influences decisions they make and how they access services and making sure services meet their needs. Um, now, for the last six weeks, um, I've just started a new role at Scots College as their Director of Wellbeing, looking after and overseeing all the well-being of staff and students at the school. So about, um, well, I think all up about just under 1,500 people, which is a big job, but enjoyable. That's very cool. 
That's very cool. So um, just to kick things off and being the least educated on this, uh, on this <laughs> panel this morning, uh, let's start with, can you explain, um, explain to us what it, what it means when we talk about mental wellness? wellness. What, is it, what does that mean? Uh, for me, I think about um, mental fitness. I think about um, our, whole, our whole person and how we feel about ourselves, our sense of um, contentment with where we're at, what's happening and where we're going. Even in, in, in places of struggle, I think that we can still have that contentment, that sense of um, self-worth. But on the whole, it's a whole, whole person thing. Body, mind, soul, spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And just leading on from that, I think Māori have definitely got it right when they consider, you know, what makes hauora, what, you know, what contributes to well-being. And it's tetaha tinana, your physical health is really important, but it's not everything. Then the, the next pillar is tetaha wairoa, your spiritual health. You know, tetaha hinanaru, your mental health. And tetaha whānau, you know, and the importance of having balance between all facets of our well-being. And this is, this is particularly evident. You think about in your family life, when you have a conflict or a stressor, a significant stressor within your whānau, it's going to impact your other areas of your health and well-being. So it might mean that you're not sleeping so well. It might mean that you're not able to work so well. It might mean that you don't have enough, you know, you don't have a great appetite or energy to, to look after your physical health. So it's about having balance across all areas of health. Yeah. Great, great. Uh, what are you seeing are the biggest battles that we face as a nation with maintaining a healthy mind? Amy? Balance. <laughs> Uh, not not doing one thing more than other things, right? And um, I think the other thing that kind of comes into that balance is life is so much more complex than what it ever has been. You know, we're not just um, going about our day, living life day to day anymore. We're all constantly reflecting on the past and thinking about the future. And, you know, you've got climate change, you've got COVID, you've got... Um, financial stuff that you're starting you know I think people are a lot more aware of all of those other things that feed into our lives and I think that that complexity is starting to show in just generally how our society is functioning and relating with each other so yeah I agree I think a lack of balance particularly within western society we seem to really glorify busyness and, you know, a, a successful person or a person who's coping despite, you know, being overly committed in lots of different areas and pulled in lof, lots of different directions is something that we, that we celebrate. Whereas, you know, you don't ever see, I don't know, posts on social media about someone being like, I had nine hours of sleep and I've been eating really healthy and I've been going to church regularly and I feel really connected with my whanau. You know, we don't, we don't celebrate that as success. And so I think... It's about reorienting our thinking, like actually success is, you know, all of those things um, that contribute to your wellness and well-being. Because, and it's not selfish, it's, you know, when you are well in yourself, you have the ability to be the best version of yourself in whatever capacity you're working in, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's serving in the church, whether, you know, in any way. So it's about, yeah, trying to dis dispel those myths, you know, busyness isn't, isn't the best thing. I think taking a Sabbath too, taking a day to rest and recharge. And I know in the busyness of this world that can sometimes be really hard, but I know for myself I've learned to now really take that day 
um, to rest, you know, not, not do anything, but just spend that with family and um, friends or, you know, on a Friday, Mason and I together, but just spending that time that we, we can all do it. It's just where our priorities are and where we place them at the time, so that's good. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it is said that our lives often move in the same direction as our strongest thoughts. And in Philippians, it says that we're to fix our minds and our thoughts on things that are positive and, and uplifting and that are going to do, do us well. So in your thoughts, what are some practical ways that we can help keep our worries and anxiety at bay by doing things like that? I think it's important firstly to recognise and acknowledge that not all of us, when it comes to mental health and wellbeing, start at the same start line. Um, so there are those that are, you know, us who are, you know, genetically predispositioned to having poorer mental health outcomes. And then on top of that, you know, your early life experiences from a trauma perspective significantly impact your capacity for good mental health and well-being later in life. And so it's about recognising in yourself that, you know, being able to look back to be able to look forward. So recognising in yourself the things that have contributed to the way that you think and why you might think that way. And then putting some really good strategies in place to support good mental health and being accountable to them. You know, I know myself, for example, I need a lot of sleep. So if I'm having lots of late nights in a row, I need to be accountable to that because I'm not going to be able to achieve the best possible mental health if I'm not getting enough sleep. So those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, finding different strategies um, to be able to support your mental well-being is really important and very individual, I would say. Yeah, I think self-care is really important. We can't help other people. Um, and as parents and grandparents, we're often friends, we're often that person. And we can't actually function to our best for them if we're not taking care of ourselves first. And that's really important. We have to take time out. Otherwise, we're not going to be well enough to help them and support them through. Um, and when we don't take time out, we often lose um, perspective on things. Um, and it actually... Help, it makes our thinking a lot more cloudy. It makes our emotions more cloudy and it's hard to actually yeah. be as impactful. Yeah. And it wears, our, it wears ourselves down, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm just tagging on to that a bit. I've just found, you know, obviously we've been in COVID, what, for the last just about two years. And um, just recently I found myself, I uh, heard someone say it and I thought, actually, I think that's what I've got, is um, I've got COVID fatigue. And I think uh, it's not just, um, you know, like I'm feeling mentally worn down. It's because we constantly talk about COVID. And I was just saying to someone out in the foyer, it's, um, you talk about, you're in a, we had a family dinner actually a couple of weeks ago and Mason's mum said, we are not going to talk about COVID. And I said, that's great. We got to dinner and we were out at a restaurant and it just slowly crept in and there was like 15 of us at the table and then we're talking about COVID. I'm like, how is this becoming our conversation in everything that we do? And I think that for us as people, we need to be the conversation changers. And what are we going to talk about when COVID's over? I don't know, miracles? <laughs> let's talk about miracles and let's talk about the goodness of God and you know, not not when COVID's over. Let's talk about that now. But um, yeah, just talking about um, 
yeah, it's very important uh, that our thoughts are on things above, not about COVID and the government. <laughs> um, these issues aren't necessarily, so talking about these issues, they're not necessarily limited to adults. Uh, how are you seeing this affect the younger generations and what can we do as parents, as grandparents, uncles and aunties and friends uh, to help them with this? Amy? Uh, I think we're seeing kids that are struggling more and more to hold themselves emotionally. Um, I think kids, are t I think young people, children, adults <laughs> are tired. I think that whole, the whole um, narrative around COVID and what's happening at the moment in the world is even though we don't know it, it's having an effect on us emotionally, mentally spiritually, physically, um, and I think that we're starting to see that more and more as people um, get to their, you know, the very last of what they're able to manage by themselves. So yes, we're seeing kids that are a lot more tired, less resilient, generally worn down. Um, for myself, I know myself, I become quite preoccupied with things in my own brain, like I find it hard to get out of my head, um, and it's consuming a lot of my thought, um, worrying about our young people and even just the uncertainty that there is. Um, and that's really hard. But, um, yeah, that would be the main thing, I think, we're with our young people and just generally anyway. You got anything to add, Kat? No? That's good. Yeah. I was just going to say, too, I was talking to a young girl, 15-year-old from the church this week, and uh, we were driving home and she said to me, Oh, we were just talking to her. I was like, oh, what do you guys talk about at school? And she said, oh, actually, the last couple of weeks, all we've talked about is the vaccine. And, and I was like, how is it that at school, 15-year-olds are talking about whether to get the vaccine or not, or their opinions on the vaccine? They've got better things to worry about than that, but it is consuming our conversation. I guess that comes back to how we talk about that at home with our kids. And Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. And... Um, so when we look in the Bible, we, we can see Jesus modelled a really great example of space and separation from the day-to-day, -day, you know, pressures and stresses of ministry and even just life in general. And in Luke 5, 16, it says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, you know, um, to pray in private places to pray. And, you know, if he does it, then that's definitely important that we do it. And that's how we can keep charged up and in line with God's will for our lives, but how, how do we, how, do, how important is that to even find space to just disconnect from our day and our week, you know, to, to find that, because I know for myself it's like, you know, I just, I don't have time for that sometimes and I kind of push it off, but how important is it to just actually stop and push pause for a bit and reset? I think um, it's extremely important. If you imagine the model of the brain, you know, as being like the engine of the car, you can't just have your car on constantly and not expect there to be wear and tear, you know, and it's, and it's exactly the same, you know. Um, so mindfulness is um, a really great strategy. I'm an accredited mindfulness facilitator, and when I first heard about mindfulness, I was like, this is way too fruity for me. I'm a quantitative researcher, and that was just something I wasn't super interested in. But it's um, indisputable within the literature, within the research, that mindfulness practice is incredibly important for our brains, but it's also very healing for trauma. And so what mindfulness actually is, is just what Pastor Mason was just talking about. It's about bringing our focus and our awareness, our awareness, sorry, to the present. 
you know, where are we, what's going on in our bodies, where is our connection with God in that moment, um, because you think about how much of our time we spend, you know, worrying about the past, ruminating on things that have happened and conversations and people's opinions and how things could have been different, or alternatively, thinking about the future and worrying about things that are to come and what could eventuate and how things could be, but God wants us to not worry about tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's worries will take care of themselves. It's about focusing on the present and being able to reconnect with this amazing gift that the present is, um, that God has given us. And so, yeah, I really encourage you to look further, if, particularly if you're struggling with that busyness in your brain, to look further into some strategies for mindfulness about how you can really hone your focus into the present because that's when you're going to really hear from God too because you're really attuned and tuned into what he's saying. I was just going to add, you know, taking Jesus, that's a great example of him taking time out to look after himself. You know, if you're struggling to get out of your head, go and do something. You know, go and do something physical. You know, going to the gym might not be for everyone. Go for a walk. Do something that requires your concentration, that takes you out of your head and you have to focus on whatever that is. That could be painting. It could be, you know, drawing art, craft, gardening. It can be anything, but just take that time to get out of your head so that you've actually given yourself that break and and just watch how refreshed you are, you know, and how much focus you've got when you do come back to those hard things that you're having to do, all those hard, harder conversations that you're having, yeah? One thing I was reminded, a strategy that's really helpful um, in our worrying, um, and it came up, it, it was identified in our um, one of our connect groups actually, um, when we were studying Winning the War in Your Mind, which is an excellent book um, if you want to learn more about your mind health and what impacts the way that we're thinking. And one strategy that he talked about, Craig Rochelle, he talked about um, the God box. And so it's like having an actual physical box, like a shoebox. Well, depending on how you know how many worries you have, you might need something bigger than a shoebox. <laughs> I'd need like a I don't I don't know I don't know a moving box, and labelling it you know God. And every time that you have a worry, you know, writing it down on a piece of paper, praying about it, and saying God, I give this I'm giving this to you. You know, this isn't mine to wear or to carry anymore. And physically putting it in the God box, right? So then the next time you worry about it, the next time you you know, you think, oh, I don't think God's got this because I've prayed about it and nothing's happening, you know, in his perfect timing. You need to physically walk over to the God box and pick it up and, and say, God, I don't, I don't trust you with this. I'm going to carry this worry for a little bit longer, you know. And then the next time when you, you know, of course, you'll get to the point where you realize, no, God has got this, you know. Then you can go back and physically put it in the box. But I think it's that physical action of recognizing like, I don't need to carry this anymore because God is a God who wants to carry my burdens and wants to carry my worries. And now that I've given that to him, I don't need to continue worrying about that anymore. I think that's a really good strategy. So it's a great book, um, Winning the War in Your Mind, if you haven't read it. So good. Um, both being health professionals, how do you see your faith uh, playing a role in your lives? And what are the things that you draw strength from with helping others? Amy. I, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> So I, I've seen, um, I, I came into nursing and mental health because I love working with people and, you know, I've been a person that's had my own struggles and my own family issues um, growing up and I wanted to help people but I never imagined um, the complexity that that was and so for me, having a faith, knowing that there is God who is all-knowing and just this amazing 
um, guidance and miracle maker has been massive because there have been things I've seen miracles worked I've, I've seen wonders worked in front of my eyes with with many many different kinds of clients and students that absolutely there's no logical explanation for that and that keeps me going I'm like yeah this is it God is in control I'm just here to kind of I don't know, be here, I guess, and, and sometimes when I don't know what I'm doing, which is more often than I like to admit to myself, I just sit there with that person and I pray for them quietly in my, in my mind, and, you know, things start to come loose, right, in that person, and they can start to talk about things, or, or something happens a couple of days later, or even a couple of years later that I find out about it, well after I've ever had anything to do with them, and those miracles are so powerful and keeping me going. I think if I didn't have that faith, I wouldn't be able to do it. I, I would just lose hope completely. And the answer is the same for me too. It's about hopefulness. Um, that, you know, particularly when you're researching trauma, you know, and the outcomes can be so harmful for those who have experienced trauma while that little brain was developing and just growing. I have to have God's hopefulness that actually this doesn't have to determine their future. You know, and as a health professional, you can have a huge amount, a huge body of knowledge, and you know, within research, we have a huge body of, of research that um, we refer to to make health decisions. But, but there are still limits. You know, there are limits in the natural world, world to you know what we're able to achieve with people's health. There are limits in the natural world of what we're able to achieve for people's outcomes who have suffered trauma and have had significant mental illness. So, for me, without faith, you would feel hopeless. You know, and it's it's such a powerful, you know, it's such a powerful relationship to have um, to be able to to work in not only the the natural realm but also in the spiritual realm when you're working with people who are affected by mental illness because you we have this amazingly big God yeah. who is so much you know author and creator and healer yeah, yeah. so much bigger than what we can achieve like Morvan said yeah. you know so much greater you don't have to accept that you know that prognosis of what you've been given or what what's paved out before you because you have a big big god who's on your side Mm, preacher preacher come on um just just in closing you know some people would say that it's kind of a weakness to sort of to talk about the area of mind wellness and i think it particularly for for guys and maybe it's just new zealanders in general um what would you say to to people who have that mindset about it's just been a weakness. I don't want to talk about it. I'll just push it down and deal with it. <laughs> Looks like I've stumped her. <laughs> um, look, we can't do everything by ourselves, right? And um, I, my, um, my father actually had a breakdown when I was about 15 and he just held on to things for too long, right? And um, it was dev- it had a devastating impact on the family. And as a as a guy, I know that he talked about it quite some years later about how hard it was to reach out for help. But he realised, having gone through that, that if he had reached out for help, you know, he was a proud man and he didn't want to admit that he couldn't take he couldn't help his family like he wasn't in a great place. But he realised that he would have done so much better for his family. Um, if he'd reached out sooner, right? And so um, that was really powerful and it's changed the way I've, I've worked with men in my career um, around their own issues. But, you know, reaching out for help isn't a weakness. It's actually a strength because you're going against 
common culture, right, and common belief. And so you've got to hold on to that fact that this is actually shows immense stre uh, strength yeah. asking for help. But also there's different types of help, right? And there's, you know, literally there's something for everyone now. You know, you've got kids and there's um, computer programs that help them process their emotions and ask for help and, and uh, web apps and there's uh, counselling for those that are talkers but there's also other things for those that aren't talkers, right? Physical, physical fitness, uh, mental fitness stuff that you guys can connect in with and find, I guess my thing is find what's going to work for you and what works for your personality and just allow people to come around you and it doesn't have to be like a full-on situation where you're sitting there having a, a big intimate discussion, right? It can be whatever you want it to be but asking for help is the hardest step and once you do, I promise you, um, it's like oh, a full weight off your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that sense of community is so important and that sense of connection and identity um, and we are so fortunate that we have, you know, like the song was saying this morning, we have an identity that is in God, you know, regardless of our circumstances on earth, regardless of where we've come from or what we've been exposed to, that our identity is found in him. And um, I just think, yeah, I just think we've got this amazing opportunity to um, to be able to connect with people in, in, in every area of your life, like yes, within your connect groups, yes, within our church, but know people, you know, get to know people in an intimate way so you can check in on them and say, hey, hey, I noticed you weren't here or hey, I noticed you were off work today or hey, you know, because actually people might be walking through some pretty tricky stuff. And in the last service, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, how as a, an individual who might not feel informed about mental health and well-being and feeling like, oh, I don't know how to talk to someone who's walking through some stuff with their mental health. But actually, as a health professional who works in mental health, the most therapeutic thing you can do is to listen. And to listen in a way that's empathetic, that acknowledges what that person is, is walking through. Um, and allow them to tell their story because there's an amazing thing that happens within the brain when they hear themselves talking through their problems. The, the amazing part is that the different part of the brain can be engaged, that prefrontal cortex where all of the complex judgment and reasoning happens, that will be ignited and people will come up with their own solutions. You don't need to give them help. You don't need to give them problems. Uh, you don't need to solve their problems, sorry. Just having that, um, that openness, being totally present with somebody and acknowledging them that where they're at, that's the most therapeutic thing anybody can do. And I was going to say, adding to that, you know, it's so easy in our society to go, you know, we walk into church or we walk into a shop or whatever, and we go, hey, how's it going? And what's the response? Oh, good, I'm fine. And, and I think that, you know, this is the time now where as a community and as a fellowship with our family and our friends and our work colleagues, we should be going, are you though? Like, are you really okay? Because sometimes reaching out for help is, they need someone to kind of bridge that, right? Yeah, so right. it's two hands coming together and that, that the, the, I can't think of the words, the, the length that they have to go to reach out is then halved because yeah. someone else is reaching in. Like, get out there, have those meaningful conversations, just yeah. really check in sincerely with people. Awesome. Wow. You guys are amazing. You girls, amazing women. And, you know, it's an honour and a privilege to have you up here today sharing with us. And we want to thank you uh, for your expertise. And if you do have any questions, do feel free to ask these ladies um, after the service. But church, let's put our hands together for Amy and Katrina.
We also want to close right now and just give people an opportunity um, just to acknowledge that in their hearts of what, what worries you and what anxious and anxiety that you carry. Because through life, it's, you know, we, we, can, we can bring it all to God, which is, which is awesome. We're, to bring it to God and, and leave it with Him and, um, and, and have God's peace. But it doesn't stop as soon as we go out there the pressures of life back are back on us. And, and these, these pressures will cling to us and make us think differently and make us live a life less than what we're called to live if we don't acknowledge them and, and, um, you know, and, and know them for what they are. And so I just want to pray over everyone this morning and just, and just have a moment where we can actually just close our eyes and acknowledge what is worrying us, what the anxiety is that we carry. Some of it we'll know straight away as we do that. You'll, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Others will, it'll be a bit cloudier because it'll be something that we've carried through a long period of our life and we've just dealt with it and we just manage that. But I just want you to bow our heads this morning and just visualize putting that in your hand, whatever that worry is, whatever that anxiety that's getting you down, that's dividing your minds and your hearts for what God wants you for wants for your life that is robbing you of his peace robbing you of his joy it says in 1 Peter 5 7 it says give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you he loves you deeply so Father God we hold all our worries and anxieties out to you this morning and we just release them to you. Father God, we lay them at your feet, Jesus, and say, what burdens us, we give to you. Father God, we break every thought pattern, Father, that would trigger us into worry and anxiety. We just break that off in the name of Jesus right now. That there's an enemy that comes to rob, steal, and destroy. We just break that hold over our minds right now, Father God. You just pour out your peace and your joy back into our lives where it was missing, where it was being divided into looking over our circumstances rather than your word and your promises. So, Father God, I just pray for your blessing, your unmerited favor over every single person here this morning. Father God, that when we get up out of our seats, we're going to be walking in freedom. We're going to be released, and we've got that burden that that we've spoken about this morning, this coat of burden that we wear of worry just released from us, that we're going to feel lighter, that we could share the light, the light that now lives in us, Father God. We're the light in those dark places. Father, we thank you for all you're doing. We thank you for your love. We thank you for life. Help us to live light and live with your light in us everywhere we go, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.